Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top, the body-positive, sex-positive show with your host Jenny Lynn and Auntie Vice. This show contains explicit language, not suitable for most minors or easily offended majors. It contains opinionated discussion about politics, race, sex, fat folks, gender, which may not be suitable for conservatives. Additionally, some shows may contain references to science, statistics, history, research, mathematics, and reality, which may not be suitable for American evangelicals. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. I'm your host, Auntie Vice, here with my sexy co-host, Jenny Lynn. Hi. Hi. Welcome to episode seven. This is all about sexy bodies. Yes, you got a sexy body. How you keep your body sexy? I don't. <laughs> the fuck? What shit no. is that? This is Fat Chicks on Top. We're on top. You're sexy. I think you're sexy. But, and your sexy body has been at the gym and working hard. Uh, my sexy body is hungry as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I see your ass prancing around like a unicorn on stage with a rainbow tail looking sexy to me. How do you get that confidence? It's a lie. It's a lie. No, um, most of the time I don't feel sexy. Really? I, I no, no. It's like, yeah, most of the time I don't feel sexy when I perform. It's like, okay, it's a performance. Like it's a headspace thing. But I don't sit there and, and feel my oats and feel my sexiness. Do you? I um, I I I fake it till I make it with my sexy. Okay. Like, I think there's certain days where I feel sexy, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay embrace this moment harness this sexuality <laughs> post about it <laughs> and, and then, when do you feel at your sexiest what gets you there um i you know what it's like mid menstrual cycle my body's not bloated um i'm having a good hair day my makeup looks good from the day before uh i'm groomed with body hair you know i i've done all like the things i would need to do to you know mm-hmm. get sexy with my partner type thing mm-hmm. all the i don't know women we go through this routine of yeah of you know grooming and hygiene to to prep for sex and things like that so if i'm not having sex and i've gone through that whole routine i'm like give it to me baby <laughs> where's my camera <laughs> you know like instagram is coming <laughs> what about you <laughs> um it it depends i you know i do go through a routine i wanted to be one of those women who was like embrace your natural self let the body hair grow i tried it didn't it itched yeah that shit itches like i don't know how dudes do beards or Mm -mm. chest hairs Mm -mm. i would be scratching like i got fleas (laughs) because i do not like body so shaving or waxing is a big thing to me um i used to go to a waxer here in sacramento that i loved mm-hmm. big old gay bear so i felt like i was violating his whole body aesthetic because i'd be like remove every <laughs> every hair i have from the eyebrows down like strip that stuff off but he was fantastic because we were friends and so we'd go in there and we start talking and go oh man i fucked the hell out of this guy and he has this great porn site so then he'd pull up on his iphone the porn videos of whoever he was sleeping with right and like you know, when you go to a ritzy dentist, they have the little screens you can watch when they're mm-hmm. working. So with him, I just hold up the iPhone and watch whatever dude he'd banged recently <laughs> while he waxed me. And it was, that worked for me. That would get me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling myself after this. Yeah, like, you're feeling sexy. So our our feature guest today, they, 
They talk about feeling sexy and navigating that. You want to talk about them for a second? Yeah, we have some fun guests on the show today. We have Red Hot Suze, Suze Ellis. She is sexy. She she refers to herself as getting older. She's like 25. Yeah. No, she was younger than 25. And I was like... <sighs> my 44 year old ass all of a sudden start feeling real old yeah when she was talking about her cure for hangovers i was like um i'm gonna need you to get a smoothie and a sandwich Stats. <laughs> but uh yeah so we we have her she's super cute she was in the running to be on maxim as a big girl on maxim which yes. was awesome and she has a campsite she's got a, a sexy blog she's got instagram up with interesting places for alcohol bottles i i'm a i'm a bombay sapphire girl and um i implore you to go find out where that bombay sapphire bottle is on her body right now i double dog dare you yeah that was an awesome picture and we also have ali and Laika from the body political they're amazing these are two incredibly powerful women they've started to show um it's a burlesque show but instead of being about the tease and the fantasy it's all about conversations around the body, reclaiming your body, uh, what your body means politically, it, which is a big deal, if, especially in a female-centered body or um, a queer body. It, they it, have a major focus on inclusion. And I think that's important as we talk about you know, how we feel sexy, because their burlesque isn't necessarily meant to be sexy. It's political. It's made mm-hmm. to invoke feelings thought and you know you you leave with emotions um but i think sexy does that for people too the fact that they they use mm-hmm. a little bit of sexy right because it's still burlesque to um bring up those feelings in people is powerful um when i see your burlesque i kind of feel the same way i'm gonna bring up the unicorn hunter piece uh-huh. again and watching you be wrangled. Um, and I think that really is like a social piece. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your thoughts about sexy and creating that piece? So I did a piece um, with uh, my, my partner for the piece was I own a dozen cats. Mm-hmm. Who I, had, <laughs> I love it. it. It's one of the, it took me a second when I saw her name on paper. I'm like, I own a dozen. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. She is an amazing performer and amazing dancer. Mm -hmm. And I was doing the piece for Twisted Windows in San Francisco, which if you haven't had a chance, you really should check them out. Uh, The show is out shortly before Folsom Street Fair Mm -hmm. in San Francisco, and they are a big part of the performance there. Uh, So, yes, go go support Twisted Windows, support Shay and Stefanos. They put on amazing events and amazing shows. Um, But... This was at the Armory in San Francisco when that was still a performance space. And their show is Triple X Burlesque. So I did a piece that was a commentary on unicorn hunting in the polyamory community. And unicorn hunting is usually when a couple goes out specifically with the goal of finding a bisexual woman to join their threesome. And often the conversation in the poly community by a, a heterosexual couple or a couple, you know, a male-female couple where the woman may be heteroflexible um, is all about finding the unicorn. Right. right. But it reduces that third person into kind of the stereotype and will fill their sexual needs and the rest become unimportant. And I have a big issue with unicorn hunting. So this piece, I was a unicorn. Um, My outfit consisted of a butt plug with a very long unicorn tail. We will have pictures up on the side of it. (laughs) um and a unicorn horn 
high heels and then I had a heart that was filled with Skittles and that was all I was wearing. Right. There was there was some rope involved in that. Right. That, yeah. And I was hunted around the space by my partner who was all in camo. And she eventually lures me in by leaving Skittles all around the studio and then lures me in, ties me up, strings me up to a suspension rig um, as we're dancing, like lures me into this whole thing, it comes up behind me and then cuts open my heart and I die. Which is, you know, was my whole commentary on unicorn hunting is because you get lured into this couple you think you're important, but they'll sacrifice you for their own needs. Definitely. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Um <laughs> And I did. I had been at a conference in L.A. that morning, so I drove to L.A. the day before. Right. I did a conference. My panel was at like nine thirty in the morning. I finished at eleven. I drove from L.A. to San Francisco for a seven o'clock call, and then did the performance. It was, it was exhausting. And and after a drive like that, wedging in a butt plug was difficult. Did you have any incidents with that plug? <laughs> um, I I stepped on my tail. <laughs> And uh, but it didn't come out. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Had you been anal uh, training for that? Yes, yes. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. But I do want to talk a little bit about sexy and and feeling sexy as a political action. Yeah. Um. It it comes up. So of course, fat chicks is on all the social media sites. Definitely. And Facebook has all sorts of scary cat policies about nipples and cleavage, and they actually won't. Like you even post ads where there's upper chest showing of a woman because that apparently is offensive to community standards. Oh, uh oh. Yeah, um, we were blocked from promoting certain ads because there was cleavage in, not even nipples, just cleavage. It's so offensive where it's consensually put up, right? Mm -hmm. But they still allow ads that are, are memes and one of the ones that I've reported multiple times and they said, fits community standards and I just don't get the joke is it's a picture of a woman and her mouth is taped over and it says, next time don't wrap it and tap it, taper and raper. Whoa. And so consensually feeling sexy and mm -hmm. feeling your oats is seen as offensive. Yeah. Whereas you can, apparently, we just don't get the joke that, you know, rape jokes are apparently funny to Facebook standards. Um, but I think as, you know, as female-bodied people and stuff, embracing the sexy can be a real political act because we're supposed to be, demure and quiet and objectified mm -hmm. but not when we're claiming our sexuality and our sexy bodies that's not okay then we're sluts then we're whores and whatever well it's not even just your body mm -hmm. it's the things that come out of your mouth mm -hmm. you know we've been censored as a people for a very long time mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable to hear women say things like pussy or, you know, like that's like, oh, that's very a taboo thing, you mm -hmm. know, for women to say. So when you're embracing your words, mm -hmm. your sexual energy mm -hmm. and, and God, I don't have a shirt that covers that upper portion of my boobs. I don't know how to manage that. They're not <laughs> making those. Um, so I, I think other people need to be more comfortable mm -hmm. and um, make a consorted effort to be more accepting of all body types mm -hmm. um and i i personally um i second guess my choices in in dress and clothes mm -hmm. recently going to the gym mm -hmm. i know when i go wearing something that i would consider revealing for my body i can see another person wear it that's probably half of my size literally mm -hmm. um and you know 
people don't seem turned off by that. Right. Like, but I do it and I get the side eyes and, mm-hmm. and the extra. And I just don't, I don't care if it's fair. I'm going to do it regardless. And that's my own political statement. You know, mm-hmm. what about you? I wear what I'm comfortable in. I don't like to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this as a woman who wears high heels yeah. because sometimes wearing the high heels and owning that space is a, a comfortable space for me. Sometimes I'm going to wear flats. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's like, if I'm okay with it, then you need to be okay with it. And it, it was a long time for me to get to that. It was, I was into my thirties before I would go out in public without makeup. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, right. I, I, I got to run to the grocery store. It's 7 a.m. And fuck all if I'm putting on a full face for right? that. <laughs> um, and it was a very long time before I'd ever leave the house without a bra. But mm-hmm. there are days that I just, if I'm running a quick errand, I don't care. Yeah, I'm I'm not leaving the house without a bra. That That's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, nah. that, that That came in my 40s. Yeah, I, I'm going to hurt myself if I leave the house without my bra. Like, I can't hit the don't stairs. Don't make me run across the street. Yeah, but. no, no. Like, there's too many stairs in my life for, for braless <laughs> behavior. And makeup, I'm really comfortable without makeup. Like, mm-hmm. I do post selfies mm-hmm. where I'm, you know, no filter, no makeup. Mm-hmm. I look like this, mm-hmm. even though I know I look completely different with makeup. <laughs> oh yeah, makeup you know? makeup's transformative and it's it's fun. I like I mean, I have the 4-inch mylar lashes and feather lashes and, and I love that stuff, but I don't feel a need to wear that for other people. See, I'm less concerned with lashes and like extra things. I am concerned with the development of contour. Contour is awesome. Contour is awesome, but scary because like you really you're changing your entire bone structure mm-hmm. and it's like a complete hoodwink on a date <laughs> between the chicken cutlets in the bra. If you're insecure mm-hmm. about your breasts, the contour on your face, if it's, you know, that you have spanks on underneath. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you unpack your body for that person, like I I would I would be much mother comfortable with someone who was just honest mm-hmm. and and comfortable with themselves. I would I, I've never been in a intimate experience. I hear lots of men talk about mm-hmm. it um, and to, to just be shocked. But I'm I'm three months Spanx free. <laughs> I last time I wore Spanx, my best friend told me I should double Spank. Wow. Have you ever wore two pairs of Spanx? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I peed myself at Pine Cove Bar. <laughs> Yep, that's here in Sacramento. Peed myself, threw the spanks away in the trash, and walked away. Wow. Yeah, I, I just can't. I, I, I want to be as authentic as possible, and that makes me feel more sexy. So I will fully admit, when, when <laughs> I met our sound producer, <laughs> and we the first night I met him, I was wearing big false lashes. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid of what he would think when all that makeup and shit came right. off. So like for our first three dates, I wore the false lashes. I did the full makeup, like, which is not something I would normally do for a date, but I was not quite ready to admit. But the producer's cute. The, the sound guy, you're, he's Arkansas cute. So yeah, yeah. So like, you're like, I'm going to wear these lashes. He was eventually going to see me without them, but it took a minute. The third date happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. And what happens on the third date happened before the third date, but I left the lashes, lashes on. on. Got it. <laughs> but yeah, it was one of those things. It took me a minute. It's like, it's gonna take me a minute to ease into this. Like, yeah, and I'm sure he knew that they they were fake. I don't apply them that well, 
But I'm so... They've got glitter and rhinestones and shit. He knew they're not yours. Yeah, he knew they were not mine, but it was... It, it helped me ease into that, you know? Ease into it. Um, but yeah, I think that's what has to happen with with how you learn to feel your sexy body. I uh, I was a makeup girl when I first found my guy, mm-hmm. and he he hated the makeup. He's one of those, oh, you don't need the makeup kind of person. And I'm like, whatever. I, I it, The makeup is for me. Yeah. The makeup. See, that's the lingerie. The lingerie is for me. Mm-hmm. Like, he's fine if it's in the corner. <laughs> but for me, I like coming out. I like putting it on. I like getting dressed up. I I like pretending like I'm not wearing lingerie so someone advances upon me. <laughs> I like to pretend like it's not there. Uh, I tell my husband, oh, it's just pajamas. And I'm real like, you know, kind of like, no, it's not that serious. It's just pajamas. And I like the feeling of you can't keep your hands off me because mm-hmm. <laughs> my pajamas rock. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I think we should get to our show. We have some great guests today. So stay tuned with us through the break and we will be right back. Hi, and welcome back to Fat Chicks on Top. We're here this afternoon with Elle Chase. She is the author of Curvy Girl Sex. She is a certified sex educator and an all-around amazing woman. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I invited you on the show. You have an awesome book out called Curvy Girl Sex. Thank you, yeah. Why was there a need to write a book about sex for different body types? Doesn't everybody have sex the same way? Well, uh, not no, not everybody has sex the same way. And I think there are a lot of perceived, there, there are a lot of things that people who are of size perceive they cannot do. And for the most part, I just don't think that's true. When I would go and teach a blowjob class or uh, a class on safer sex, since I'm a bigger girl myself, I would get a lot of questions after class about, well, I want to do this, but I'm too fat, or I want to do that, but my my boyfriend thinks that I won't be able to do it, or my girlfriend thinks that, you know, I'm too fat, or anything like that. I get a lot of questions, and I thought a book about not only just positions showing uh, people of size that they can do pretty much any position they want to do, maybe with a little bit of some aids, but they could do anything they want to do. And also just how to go about being a fat sexual person. And that's why I wanted to write the book. There is this perception, especially if you're bigger, that you're not sexy. You can't be sexy. What is the biggest barrier you find for larger folks in getting sexy? Is it their own mind? Is it the, you know, getting a flexibility? Is it learning stuff? What's what's the barrier there? I think, you know, to say that it's our mind, I think it, it, it kind of will make people sort of roll their eyes or, or just go, I've heard that before. It's confidence, right? We've been conditioned to think a certain way since we came out of the womb, actually. We've been surrounded by media that shows us a certain type of person means beauty. And usually that type is white, light, you know, light-skinned, blonde hair, fit, big-boobed, whatever. Depending on what your culture is, that's usually what, you know, North America thinks is 
is attractive, conventionally attractive. And that's just not true. Diversity is what's attractive. We are attracted to different types of people. I would say in my classes, you know, raise your hand if all of your sexual or romantic partners looked similar and no one would raise their hand because everyone has a different thing about them. So one of the barriers is trying to fight that that message that we keep on getting from diet commercials, from compliments that aren't really compliments, like, oh, you have such a pretty face, you just lost weight, or, you know, that's not flattering on you. You know, it's too bad you can't come with us because I bet it'll be too hard to hike, you know? Exactly. That fat doesn't equal unhealthy. And not looking down on other people who choose to be fat and lose weight. Some people want to, and I don't think we should tell anybody what they should do with their bodies. So I think that sort of getting past the cultural programming is the first step and really noticing how often you are bombarded with messages that make you feel other or less than. Doing research for this book and for my classes, I found um, a study done uh, where we see something like 300,000 images of about negative body weight a year. And I think that's a conservative estimate. So, you know, how can we think this way about our body? How can we find our sexual selves and our sensuality when we are told that we are other and not desirable? So becoming aware of it aware of all of the all of that messaging will get us really familiar with how we've been snowed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I found really surprising is, you know, I went my undergrad, I had a, a minor in rhetoric and communication. I've been very tied into queer movement, mm-hmm. into body positivity from the time I was fairly young and aware of media programming. And I will still catch myself as, you know, as somebody who works in this area, mm-hmm. who understands that I'm never going to fit in this deck, still having these thoughts of, oh, yeah, but that's not sexy because your body's X. Of course. I mean, I wouldn't expect that you wouldn't, actually. It- yeah. And I think we're all, it's so invasive mm-hmm. that even when you're very aware of it, mm-hmm. it'll still, it still seeps in. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I don't know if we're ever going to be totally rid of that. I mean, even people who are conventionally attractive, let's say, like I have a friend who grew up in beauty pageants and she is conventionally attractive. And yet she she finds problems with her body all the time because she is comparing herself to whatever she sees as society's you know, zenith of of beauty and sexuality. I don't think as a woman living in our culture, you can ever get that out of your head, but it can be managed. And you can, if it's a practice of, of looking at how you're thinking about yourself and realizing that it's a programming and we're not born hating ourselves. We're not born hating our bodies. It's something that's been done to us. And when we've realized that and really taken that in after a a little bit of time, you can really start to see, wait a minute, why am I not sexy? (laughs) There are plenty of people that will find me sexy. So what was it for you that got you into exploring this and writing about how we see ourselves as sexy and writing 
about sex for, for curvy girls? What triggered that for you? I went through a divorce with, uh, with a sexless marriage. I had never been sexual in my entire life, really. I mean, my husband and I had sex, but it was perfunctory, sort of, you know, regular sex. And I found myself uh, feeling really starved for passion. And I left my husband and I was at my highest weight. And I was so starved for passion and sexual release, like actual, you know, enjoyable sexual release, that I felt like I had nothing to lose. And so I went out and dated. And I had never dated as much as I had in my life when when I was bigger. It was because I put the idea of what my body looked like on the back burner and just became, I was just going to be, you know, this is what I look like. I'm going to attract people that are attracted to this and attracted to me. And those are the people I want. I don't want people who are looking for, who only relegate themselves to one type of person because I don't do that. I've dated triathletes and I've, I've dated obese men. You know, it's always something. There's a chemistry. There's something that, that attracts you. And so through dating, I found that my body was really secondary to these people I was going out with. Some people were jerks. Some people were really nice. And I found that my conventionally thinner friends were also dating the same kinds of people. Some were jerks and some were really nice. And it had really nothing to do with what we look like. And in fact, I found that the more uh, conventionally beautiful or attractive one was, the more the more assholes they tended to get, you know, um, at least that was what it was like in my circle. So uh, I was so inspired by it that I really wanted to get sort of get the word out and tell everyone, hey, you know, there are people out there that will love us and think that we're sexy, either in addition to our body or uh, or regardless of our body, but they're attracted to us and they're, they find us sexy. And it's the same things that make anyone else feel attracted to somebody else. There is some physical aspect to it, but it doesn't have to be body type. Has there been a point for you where you start to find yourself sexy as you are? Yeah. You know, actually, recently, I have a lover um, who is who's like, you know, a swimmer and he's like conventionally, you know, uh, as a conventionally uh, slim body. And we were getting into sort of some sexual play and he wanted to take some pictures. And he, he took some pictures of us and he wanted to show them to me. He was really excited. And I took a look at it and I went, wow, that is not how I pictured myself in that moment. I was taken aback by my own body. And Yet at the time, I felt really rich with passion and and really felt sexy in my body. And he was very we connected on a level that was that was really meaningful. And he found me sexy. And so I felt that I was being really seen. Yet when I looked at myself without that context being available to me, I sort of I judged it immediately. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You know, it is my ideas of what is sexy is still sort of marred by what I believe is supposed to be conventionally beautiful. And so whenever I, you know, and I've gained weight since then and got heavier and heavier and yet did not leave my feeling of being sexy. I might not have felt sexual, but 
I was like, but I'm sexy. It's just a part of who we are. We are born with that. It doesn't matter what we look like, how many um, limbs we have, (laughs) whether we are, you know, it just doesn't matter. We all are born with it. And it's about finding how you express that, finding that area of yourself and really exploring it. You know, as people start to explore and try to figure out how to find themselves sexy, where would you suggest, do you look for people who look like you in porn? Do you just avoid looking at, you know, the mainline magazines, how do you start to alter how you look at yourself? Because we're always comparing to the images that are coming into our lives. Yes, very true. I started, the way I started was twofold. I used to have a subscription to every beauty magazine and fashion magazine, and I cut those all out. I don't look at magazines anymore. It also saved me $130 a month. Excellent. (laughs) Anytime a diet commercial would come on, I would mute the television. Also, I started my own porn site. Uh, it's on Tumblr, and so it is a social media platform, and I, I repost pictures of, uh, of people in sort of sexual moments that I find really passionate. And often those pictures are with people who don't have a conventionally attractive body, and, uh, but a lot are because, let's face it, there isn't a whole lot of porn that isn't really hardcore and really uh, fetishized that has larger women in it and larger men. So when I find those, I will post them. But I really focused on the passion being communicated in the clips or in the pictures, the sensuality and the passion. And that awoken something, uh, something in me. And that's what I connected to. I would I would notice things if I was in the supermarket and I saw the cover of, you know, Us magazine and it was these people are half their size. I would just go, okay, so that's what these people are choosing to do with their bodies. That's fine. That's fine for them. That's not my choice. And we're both we're both attractive and we're both sexy. It's not judging other people for their choices and not judging yourself for your choices. If that makes any sense. Have I gone off topic? (laughs) No, it makes total sense. And, you know, I like the idea with the the Tumblr thing. I, the show before this one, we have Alice in Bondage Land and who's great. And, you know, her, her theme is to be the porn in the world that you want. And I think for so, you know, I've done a number of photo shoots featuring all different body types and stuff because I think that representation is really important, but it's more than just the body. It's catching people in those moments. Yes. You know, there is, I took um, a nude photo shoot. I did a nude photo shoot with this photographer in LA called Nick Holmes. And, and he does beautiful empowerment portraiture, but it was interesting when I saw the pictures and I took some pictures out and I put them in my PowerPoint when I'm teaching curvy sex or big, beautiful sex. And I have, four pictures of myself with different expressions on my face. And I ask people what they think I'm thinking. And what's happening in those pictures, what I explain is I am going through all of the, first of all, I'm naked. So I'm very vulnerable, right? You know, and in each of those pictures, I can say I felt really confident. Even when I was feeling I was shy, when I felt sexy, when I was flirting with him, when I was happy. It's a really great experience to see yourself emoting that or exuding that in a vulnerable state. And I could also see he did, a, I did no makeup and he did a bunch of bodyscapes of me where all of my folds and 
my stomach and my cellulite. They were just everywhere. And they were so beautiful when I got them back. I couldn't be anything but proud of them. They didn't look like, you know, my my friends who's a beauty queen, but they were so gorgeous that I just wanted to show them to everyone. And I really, I really, for me, found that that photo shoot more than, say, a lingerie or a boudoir shoot did a lot to sort of further my feeling of sexuality and sensuality. And I think that's so key. I found when I had sexy photos taken of me, I felt that way. When I worked with women who were in the photo shoots that I directed, they all kind of, mm. there's something about seeing yourself when you feel sexy on film. Yeah. That's very transformative. It is. It is. I agree 100% with you. Absolutely. And it's really, I think, it also says a lot. You feel better, too, knowing you had the strength to go through with it regardless of, you know, who you're naked in front of, whether it's a whole crew or just one person, it's, it's sort of saying, this is my body and I'm, I'm owning this. It's, it's a really powerful experience. Exactly. I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. If people want to find your work, if they want to find you online, if they want to find a class, where should they look? They should go to my website, L-E-L-L-E, Chase. C-H-A-S-E dot com. Everything's there. Uh, my porn site is ladycheeky.com. And I can be found on all the social medias at thelchase.com. And Curvy Girl Sex, you can find on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or, or any place, really, that sells your fine books. <laughs> and I will, will highly recommend that all of our listeners go out and read it. It's a fantastic book. And, and check out her site. She's, she does some fantastic work. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome back to Fat Chicks on Top. We're here with Suze Ellis of Red Hot Suze. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is wonderful to have you on. You are a blogger. You have an amazing Instagram account. You write about an enormous range of sex topics. You've done cam work. And you have your blog is incredibly successful. You recently made the Kinkley Top 100 Sex Bloggers. So congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that was like a big accomplishment for me because the year before they forgot to put me on. So. So let's start with that. Your your blog covers a whole range of, of dating and sex positivity, body positivity. What got you started in the blogging world and why did you focus in that area? So I've always been someone who's been like really open about my sex life and before obviously just friends and stuff where I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I love talking about my slutty adventures and just that kind of thing. And I've also, I'm a like communications and multimedia student. So I've kind of always had the background and oh, I've wanted to start a blog and I tried with like other topics, but it was always stuff that like I wasn't actually as interested in and I didn't know how to focus or a goal. And then I was on Twitter one Christmas and I saw Kate Sloan, who's a girly juice, like her girly juice, not net. I saw her pop up on my Twitter feed somehow. I have no clue who like retweeted her, but she ended up on my Twitter mm. feed. I saw it and I was like, obviously, like I knew cosmopolitan people wrote about sex, but I didn't know. I don't know why it just didn't click my brain that I could have a blog that like talks about sex. Like it just made so much sense. It was like the stars aligned. Why have I not been doing this? <laughs> so then I was like, at first I just did it to get uh, <laughs> sex stars to review and stuff. So I wanted to expand my collection, but then it just kind of became a more serious thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to write about other topics. All the stuff just kind of like came up where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can write about my life in so many different ways that can relate to a lot of people. 
You have the dream job of many people I know, which is you review sex toys and sex products. <laughs> She's talking about me. You have my dream job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How did you start that end of your writing and review process? Were these just initially things you had laying around the house and you're like, I'll write about them? Or was there a more directed approach that you took? So it was kind of just like, it was a good place to start because reviews are really easy to write. Oh, here's my experience with it. And this is like what it does and that kind of thing. So that's kind of was like, oh, I'll just, just write a review. It's easy. So I had I started out with two or three sex toys on that Christmas. And I was, oh, here's the three that I have. I'll just start reviewing them. If you're anyone out there who wants to get into sex reviewing, like it's fairly easy to get free toys. And I don't want to say that in like a way that, oh, just do it to get the free toys. Because like if you're not <laughs> passionate and you're not putting effort into doing your reviews and doing your stuff, I know it's really obvious if you're not actually like, committed. Like, If you want to do a good job of it and you're actually interested in going farther with it, then it's really easy to get free toys. You just start a good blog, you make it look pretty, kind of like put yourself out on like Twitter and then you yeah, write a couple of your own reviews, buy your own toys if you don't have any already. And then there's a bunch of like guides that other sex bloggers have written how to get into it. It's fairly easy to do if you're dedicated. That's fairly personal review to write about. It's not just like Oh, yeah, it worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> have to get somewhat explicit about something that's very personal to a lot of us. How did you get comfortable being open about that and open about that to the world? So I, yeah, again, I've, I've been someone who's been very sex positive for mm -hmm. a long time. And that kind of fed into that just kind of openness of just me being like, ah, like this thing. And also like the, the internet kind of gives you a sense. I don't know. It's weird. It's out there and it's so open, but it also gives you a sense of security in a way where you're like, I'm just writing for a certain group of people. Oh, no one will read this. So it's fine. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and I didn't start like I'm open in my life about my uh, my job. But like I didn't start off with that because I actually I was it wasn't even because of the sex stuff. I don't want to start a project that I'm not going to be able to like fulfill. So I didn't start promoting it to like, I know, like my own Facebook friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't start promoting that to like maybe like six months in where I was like, oh, I'm actually doing something with this. You know, <laughs> this is going somewhere. I have a WordPress page. The only people who will mm -hmm. see this are people who most likely want to see it. So wrote and here I am. <laughs> so one of the other things you write a lot about is dating. It's been a minute since I've been on the dating scene, and it's changed so fast. Different sites become popular, different trends become popular. For people who are currently out there looking for dating, what are the big trends you're seeing in, in dating now? Ooh, okay. So it's kind of interesting. For me, I've only been, I guess, like dating. I, I'm 23. I just turned 23. I didn't like date in high school at all, just because like... No, <laughs> fat girl. <laughs> That's what makes sense. Which, like, yeah, and it's like that. Like, I wasn't confident. I wasn't putting myself out there to people because I was scared that it would be like, a joke or like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I just kept to myself, which I was happy with. It wasn't something that had crushed and stuff, but right. I wasn't dating. I've only been dating for I guess five years now, or like four or five years. Mm -hmm. Even like in my that time, so much has changed with Tinder and how people. Even how I approach things, I used to like when I was first starting to have sex, I would just be like literally just banging through a bunch of people and it would be like, I don't care about their personality that much. I mean, if they're hot, we have like a kind of chemistry. It would be cool. Mm. But I banged a lot of people that like I would not be banging now. And actually, even like in the <laughs> past, I'm, I have not. I used to go on so many dates last year in the past just because I've had like a regular friends with benefits who like gives me consistently great sex. I 
I also don't want to deal with dudes. <laughs> I like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to date in uh, six months, which I like looked at. I was, I, I literally thought about this the other day and I was like, what the fuck? Who am I? I was like, why am I having dating? <laughs> it's because people are awful and I don't want to spend time going on dates with men who are ungrateful, like for my presence. I feel, yeah, in terms of trends, casual sex is a lot more, I feel like prevalent and more of a conversation that is happening currently, mm-hmm. I guess, than it might have been a while ago. And with that, I like find like and right now I've been thinking a lot about this is uh, kind of like respect in casual sex scenarios. So, mm-hmm. again, before, like I wasn't putting no, I wasn't being respected well with casual sex when I first was getting out there. And then also, yeah, I guess also dating, too. And then now like I'm more focused, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that's like the general climate out there where people are. Well, I think it actually is where people are like, I want something that's we don't we're not dating but we can respect and care for each other and schedule each other's time and that kind of thing there's a lot of people out there i think it's, it's just shifting so there's a lot of people out there still like especially like uh, cis men who are like oh casual sex that means I, I don't have to literally put any effort into getting to know you or respecting your time i feel that's a big thing because i used to just have dudes who would just be like i'd be like hey i want to hang out on this date and it's they even think that planning something in advance is too much. And it's like, oh, why not? Like, it's, it's made, that makes literally no sense. Like, why right. are you that immature that you think planning something it has to be spontaneous? And it also puts the effort like on me that I have to be like ready 24-7 whenever they <laughs> want to fuck. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I, feel, I guess things are just starting to happen where it's like, hey, people can not be dating, but also really respect each other. <laughs> Do you think that's part of the Me Too push in the last year, year and a half that's come out? Uh, do you notice more, not only just general respect, but talk about consent? Has any of that reached into people's private lives and changed it that you've noticed? I think for a lot of women-identified folk and non-cis men, I feel like that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that is a, a huge thing. Because I know there's like a lot of cis dudes out there who they think of the Me Too movement and they're like, oh, pe- there's people are taking it too far. And they're like, no, actually... I like if I'm in bed and like I want to like do something I haven't done before, I'll whisper it sexily into their ear and be like, hey, like I really want to do this to you or like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And it's, it, I don't think a lot of people realize that consent can be like a really sexy thing. Like it's not, it's not necessarily like, here's this contract that states today we're <laughs> going to be doing this or whatever. And it, it could be like that if that's your thing. Right. But um, it's like simple. It's just like asking, like, hey, mm-hmm. like, and, like it, it starts not even just with sex stuff, but like just friendships if you're like someone's like having a hard time if your like friend comes to you and they're like oh my god i'm sad about this thing is it okay if i give you a hug like that's like right, that's consent right. right but yeah i find it hasn't necessarily super the conversations are happening mm-hmm. i don't necessarily know that like especially with cis men how they might be taking those conversations in a different way than like a bunch of other people are but i think a lot, people are a lot more conscious of going on dates and setting their boundaries which i think is important how do you navigate consent with your partners? How do you educate your partners if, you know, there's someone you're interested in, but maybe he's not on the same sex positivity level or they're not as aware as you are? How do you navigate that? For people I date, usually I don't tend to, if there's someone who kind of doesn't already have a basic level or like understanding, even if it's like a subconscious one, because there's some mm-hmm. people who they can they do those things automatically without you need to be like, this is a consent thing. Like they're just mm-hmm. like, go, Hey, like, can we do this? You know, how, how, talk more about or be open and honest and stuff, which is like, generally, I know people have tended to gravitate more. If someone is like, I have personally, like I've been really lucky and not have any issues with people that I've like, I've dated. I feel like dating is mm-hmm. a little bit different than I guess the like, casual sex stuff, but 
Because, like, I've definitely been in situations, so many situations in the past where it's, like, I don't feel comfortable saying anything that, like, I'm, like, oh, I'm not really comfy, like, in this situation. Hope it ends soon and then you leave or whatever, right? Right. It's kind of been an evolution. But right now, I just, because I'm very careful with the people. I'm still a slut, Hondo P, but, like, uh, (laughs) I'm very, I'm very careful with the people that I choose to lend to my life because I'm more, like, conscious and aware that not a lot of people necessarily respect that stuff. And then with friends, I try, I'm someone who, I'm like a bit of a partier sometimes, but with my friends, like on weekends and stuff, there's sometimes where like, especially when it's, when people are drinking, stuff can get tough. And it's, I mean, like tough in a way that people, obviously people's boundaries are down, people's like, are like inhibitions are like running free and stuff. And for me, like I've had a lot of issues with people because people in my city and people in my friend groups they know that like I'm a sex blogger uh-huh. and they know that's like what I do for my career. So they think it's the coolest thing. And which is I like, yeah, it's a great job. I love it. Like, of course, right. it's like I've got a really cool job. I'm cool to answer people's questions, but it's gotten to it. They got to a point where um, people would like start like groping me. At, and it's like these are like people mm-hmm. who are like would be considered like acquaintances and stuff. So it's not even like random mm-hmm. people. People come up and they'd be like, oh, my God. And they like touch my tits, slap my ass or do all this stuff or like just it was just getting overwhelming and annoying. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, I like I'm, please don't do this. So I and it's it's hard when you're like, out drinking. Some moments happen so quickly, too, where you're like, oh, my right. gosh. And then you're like, and it's in the next thing. You don't really have the time to sit down and be like, I'm educating you right, right. now. But We're drinking really, and I'm giving you an education. <laughs> yeah, which like honestly also happens a lot because there's a lot of people who come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, this really intimate sex fact about me. And I'm like, just because like you read my personal sex, like <laughs> my sex facts that I put online doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that it's like a, it's not a two-way street there. <laughs> Unless you're right. paying me for consultation, I'm, yeah. So like it's kind of a problem. I was having a bit of an issue with setting up boundaries in that sense. So I wrote a blog post about it. This is just the easiest way without like targeting people and like having to talk to because there's a lot of people who are doing it. So I wrote a blog post that was uh, not your gal pal. I'm a professional. That's what it was called. Basically, like I shared it like in a bunch of those people follow me and a lot of them read it. Thank goodness. And they're like, I got like a bunch of apologies after from people being like, hey, I realized that thing that you did like wasn't like or like the thing that I did wasn't okay And like. I'm respecting your boundaries on this. And I was like, thank you. And now, like, I'm now because the blog post is out there, I'm much more tough on people. If they do try to do that, I go, hey, no, just immediately shut down. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I find myself, especially in college and navigating when I was single, having sober pre-negotiations with people and mm-hmm. really setting my boundaries up before. Yeah, and that's when those boundaries were broken that was kind of a hard thing to navigate mm-hmm. in those situations mm-hmm. are those situations that you're currently finding yourself in you know people know your boundaries but they may still push past those i've definitely had that happen there was this one person who like wasn't necessarily like even that good of a friend of the group but was kind of in outer circles saw this person at after parties and they came we were in line for a queer uh, night and they showed up and they tried to touch my boobs and I literally just like literally smacked their hand out of my way. I was like, no, right. I was like, absolutely. Don't, I, I literally said, I was like, don't touch me. I don't know. Like if, I, if you are going to try to invade my personal space like that, I have the right to literally smack your hand. Yeah. And I like, I don't, if you don't respect When someone me. touches you, that's assault. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, You're allowed to. Away. And I'm like, I don't even like you that much anyway. So <laughs> yeah. And I know. I hope our other listeners out there, you know, are empowered by that it's it's really scary to say no and to like assert yourself especially with friends like i find that so much more harder than with strangers because strangers of course you're gonna be like fuck off but like with your friends you're like oh my gosh you don't think of it 
in that way. And sometimes you like look back, you're like, wow, I didn't like when that person did that. Like, cause it doesn't necessarily immediately come to you as, oh, this, that was a creepy thing or like that wasn't like an appropriate thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Reflection. So you now do a lot of sexy photographs. You're out there very exposed, not just <laughs> through your writing, yeah. but through your, your photographs. You know, you mentioned being feeling fat and such in high school. How did you get the confidence? Because that's terrifying to lots of people. Mm -hmm. Do you have to work yourself into, okay, I'm going to do this photo shoot? How do you get to a place where you're comfortable? It really fluctuates day by day because there's some, as someone who's like a sexy content creator and a sex worker, like sometimes I'm like, oh, like I have to do this today, obviously. Like if I, like if there's a custom video I need to film or like if I need to go on snap, okay, like I need to do that. And sometimes like there's days where I'm like completely comfortable with my body and I'm like, "Ah, I'm like, there's a free thing or whatever. I know I go through fluctuation stages where it's like, like, and I've said this in past blog posts where body positivity and confidence that's not a, a destination. Once you gain that, it's it's not always something that's with you. And I'm I'm really lucky that I, most of the time I'm very very comfortable in my body most of the time. But there's some days where I, yeah, like I'm like oh I'd love to take a scandalous like Instagram picture today, but I'm like I don't feel like super comfy with that. And there's definitely days where I have to like kind of like hype myself up where you go through kind of the methods. For me, being naked is actually one of the ways that I, that helps me feel more comfortable in my body. Uh huh. Just because like it's everything's just there hanging out. When I feel it, it's I'm not. It feels like I'm not restricting myself. Because when I'm wearing clothes, sometimes I'm like clothes because they cover up things. They make you feel a little bit more secure, right? So I find that kind of like ripping off the bandaid and just enjoying learning to be just naked by yourself. I think that's a really important thing. It's funny. Even like I used to wear pajamas to bed, and then one of my past partners would just sleep naked all the time, so I would just do that too because I was like, I'm not gonna bring pajamas over, or whatever. And then actually, like since then, since then, I just have been. I'm like, wow, I'm super comfortable sleeping naked now, just because I started doing it and I started becoming like normal with feeling my body without clothes on. Our skin's all over our, our our body. We feel in different places, which I don't think we are necessarily we're always conscious of us feeling those places, like because we feel with our hands a lot, and obviously. That's something where, like, oh, I'm feeling something. But then, like, when you have clothes in your body, we're maybe not conscious of, like, the way that literally feels the area of the body. So, if that makes sense. Yeah, because, like, and when you're not wearing clothes, you feel, like, air on those places, and it just puts your body out in a different way. So, yeah, being naked, is, it helps, even though sometimes it's a struggle to get there. Do you find as you grow um, and you age, just in general, you're growing into being more comfortable are more things standing out and you're more aware uh, and more self-conscious Ooh, that's yeah that's really i mean not that you, not that you're old <laughs> no no <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. most 25 <laughs> you better watch out <laughs> it's interesting because i've definitely i feel like i'm the most confident i've been in my life and i find that each year it does i think i'm more confident every year i find like when i look back on old photos it's interesting to be like oh my god i was different this way or different in that way and i find mm -hmm. that kind of gives me some self-conscious stuff so i don't tend to look at old photos of me because it's kind of why why would i it's easier to avoid that <laughs> you know um, there's definitely stuff where i've noticed that i'm like oh my gosh like my body can't handle this anymore especially hangovers <laughs> i used to i used to be like <laughs> which i find happens to everyone but i used to never ever get hangovers and then it's just this year has been like oh man like my body like it just feels more tired it feels in this certain way which that's <laughs> just tough to even recognize not even as a fat person just as anyone right. who's aging oh my body doesn't do that anymore that's like i think that's my main thing is energy i've been noticing that kind of declining which is unfortunate and i'm like wow and you start to realize how much the media really puts a focus on youth and uh, being youthful, mm -hmm. which like, I definitely did not notice as much. And that's something that I've kind of had to 
add to my like arsenal of I guess like body positive tools in that kind of sense where I'm like oh my gosh like I'm no longer the like 18 year old who's like as much as you know it's it's interesting to see how the world the world very greatly like appreciates and like pushes 18 and your like young young teens or older teens the like ideal yeah forever young yeah and it's like it's so I didn't realize that at that age but I realize that now and as somebody who's got two decades on you it gets more and more apparent I um, bet, yeah. And the hangover thing gets it's worse. It's you need a so smoothie and a sandwich. It's so much worse. Yeah. Smoothie and a sandwich. That's, that's me now. That's me too. That's me right now. That's, I'm like, I need A and W in the morning. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went yeah. from needing like twelve hours to recover to needing like a week and a half to recover. Yeah, I need to prep yeah. two days before I drink <laughs> and plan for that. Like I have to carbo load and shit before I have alcohol that's so in funny. my life. So but I I definitely recommend a Motrin before bedtime after you've been drinking <laughs> and wake up to a smoothie and a sandwich. That's like Oh, that would be literally amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes, from, from your elders, yes, Motrin and a sandwich, definitely. Don't slow down, just eat the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, don't slow down, just go. We're big girls, just eat the carbs, eat the sandwich, and keep going. Oh, trust. I'm, yeah, I'm a carb queen. I will never deny myself carbs. If people want to find you, if they want to follow you, read your stuff, support you, where should they go to to look for you? So um, I'm on Instagram at redhot.suze. My blog is redhotsuze.com. I'm also on Twitter at redhotsuze. If you're interested in like my like more porny stuff, um, I've got a Patreon. You can look up my like blog and you'll find it there. I'm also on many vids, which is like a porny site for videos. I'm, I'm under Gwenadora. That's like my porn name. So uh, yeah, I think that's it. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show. And we oh, will. Thank you for having me. Yes. And we'll post links so everybody can go find all of your excellent work. Thank you so much for putting it out there. It's a ton of fun to follow you. You're amazing. Thank oh, you. Aww, thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been a Fat Chicks on Top production with your hosts, Auntie Vice and Jenilyn. Thank you to our sound engineer, Sharon Smith, and David Manga for our awesome music. For all things Fat Chicks, we're on every social media platform. For full interviews and explicit content, please subscribe to our Patreon.